Blog Talk Radio. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to Book Journeys Radio. It's another week, and we have another great author here to talk about the experience of writing their first book. Um, I am, this is my favorite topic, is really transforming from an expert or even a hobbyist on a topic into an author. And it's an exciting transformation. And, and I always like to mention it's one you can't go back from. Once you are an author, you will always be one. Um, I'm excited, and we'll talk about this a little more later in the show, um, but I am excited I'm going to be helping to, to midwife um, about a dozen authors in Phoenix in a couple weeks. Um, excuse me. So more more information about that um, coming up. We are going to be talking about the Book Circle Live event in Phoenix, Arizona, in October uh, October eighth and ninth. So about a month away. And uh, meanwhile, here today in the studio, we have Dan Stradford. Dan is the author of the Men's Code of Honor. I don't think we dated. I dated anyone who's read Dan's book. So um, I'm going to start that way. <laughs> I'm going to start that way in my next round of dating. Um, but Dan is here. He's uh, he's in the L.A. area, Altadena, California. So, Dan, thanks for being here. It is my pleasure, Angela. Excellent. Well, I always like to start off, before we talk about your journey to becoming an author, Tell us a little bit about about the book itself. What's the Men's Code of Honor about? Well, it's very straightforward. It's what the title says. Um, uh, a friend of mine, uh, when we were on a trip, uh, his son was asking me some question about you know how men treat women or some such, and, and uh, I said, well, men have a, a sort of an unwritten code that they go by, an unspoken code, and his dad was nodding his head and. And I thought, well, this is interesting. We have these codes inside of us that nobody's written them down. I wonder what that's all about. So I, I gave it some more thought. I did some research and, and, and looked at the codes uh, of knighthood and military codes and hunters' codes. And there's just a lot of them throughout the, for the, the, the last several thousand years that men have adhered to to guide men's conduct. Conduct and uh, it's just, and I and I started condensing these and and and, and uh, finding which one of these have have really which of these items have withstood the test of time, and uh, I found that there were a lot uh, of things that that men we we are proud to uh, be be. Uh, um, adhere to some of these concepts and they're 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 some of them are, are items that are we're biologically geared towards men are uh biologically geared to be guardians we are protectors we're hunters and uh doesn't mean that every guy out there wants to go kill a deer with a knife you know but uh it, it does mean that 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 by nature that's who we are i uh, it's amazing how many men, when they're put into a situation, uh, they they rise to the occasion. Uh, you know, they 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 become fathers. Uh, men men change dramatically when they become fathers. Uh, they they suddenly become providers, and they uh, uh, want to protect their family, their wife. They want to make sure there's a roof over the the, the family's head. They want to make sure there's food on the table. Uh, they 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 kick into gear, and these are these are biological things that kick in. But there's also uh, uh, tradition things that men have done over the years that have just really worked well and so anyway these these were condensed into 66 different things uh, uh, which um, 
reflect what men, uh, what honorable men do. When they when people say, we all know it. We say, act like a man. Somebody will say, act like a man, but nobody ever says what that means. And so this right. is a crystal. This is a crystallization. There's 66 things that that means, and uh, ah. this is a crystallization of what it means to act like a man. So I'm just curious. Um, did uh, did any of these uh, 66 things surprise you? You know, there were some things that I had to change in myself after reading and writing the book was frankly uh I mean I I I've all, I through most of my life I'm I it's uh, mor- morals and values and 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 uh doing the right thing have been important to me but you know nobody's perfect and I certainly had some weak spots and uh uh, there were there were a lot of things. One of these was, was to control your appetites, you know, and because uh, men are well known for gambling and drinking and drugs and uh, sex and all kinds of stuff, you know. If you look at uh, movies, if you want to see a, a wild bunch of guys, you better be sure that they're going to include their appetites in those movies, you know. You see the Sons of Anarchy or something like that. Mm-hmm. These guys are going to be drink. They're going to be drinking. They're going to have uh, wild women in, uh, in, in tow. They're going to have their drugs, uh, their cocaine sit out. So. You know, guys love their appetites, and uh, but the trouble is, is these things get us into big trouble. And uh, so, uh, controlling them and controlling our anger is another thing we uh, uh, have a little trouble with, and and that can get us into trouble. Uh, so, uh, but there were, there, I wouldn't say there was anything that really surprised me. I, what I was surprised with was how how this touches men to the core. Uh, there, there are so many guys. When you talk about honor to them, uh, guys who I thought were, you know, not particularly honorable guys, man, they wake up and their eyes become alert, and this means a lot to them. Military guys, who are guys who are ex-military, for example, uh, or are guys who are just their dad was ex-military, maybe, or, or they just uh, they just hate to see kids uh, being raised without fathers, maybe. You know, it could be whatever it is that they're particular uh, take is on it. I think that's what surprised me most is how, how deep men take this. Not not every man is, awa- is a- awakened, unfortunately, as you so uh, eloquently put it, when you that you didn't date anybody who'd read this. Uh, I have two daughters and uh, I, I they, they summarized it in two words. They said, men suck. And, and I was like, yeah, oh, okay. Yeah, I might have been known to say that myself <laughs> once in a while. <laughs> Well, I apologize on behalf of all of them, but... uh... (laughs) I appreciate that. So let me ask you, a lot of people that come to me to say I really want to write a book or people have been Mm. telling me I should write a book are passionate about a topic, and it sounds like you're pretty passionate about this topic, but they're passionate about lots of topics, and it's hard to kind of focus their mind and their time and their life around a project as big as a book. So how was it that you came to make the decision to really commit to getting the men's code of honor down on paper? Well, that's a a really good point. Uh, I've actually done lots of writing uh, throughout my life. I'm in my 50s, and and I've... uh, uh, although the Men's Code of Honor was my first solo book, uh, I also published in this year uh, a book on uh, alternative treatments in psychiatry, which uh, was I was the lead author on that with several doctors. I've also published articles, over 200 of them, uh, and so I've done a lot of writing. But uh, the the real what what really attracted me about this, and there's um, uh, an old rule in writing, and it's, I'm sure it's nothing new to you, but it's write what you know about. And uh, that 
was something. This is like I said, I, I values and um, teaching uh, boys. I've, I've been a member of Big Brothers of America. I've been a member of the Boys Club of St. Louis. Uh, uh, mentored lots of kids, and and so this idea of of uh, teaching these values or these important things really was uh, of interest to me. And so and it's something that I've done similar things uh, throughout my life. So it wasn't hard for me to research this or to write about it. Uh, and so I, I think that that's the most important thing is, is, is write what you know about because it's going to come across in your writing. If, if you're just quoting people on something that you're really not familiar with, uh, believe me, some expert out there is going to say, hey, he's taking this out of context because he doesn't know what he's talking about. Uh, so, <laughs> And also you won't be as interested in it. If, you're, if, you, right. uh, you, know, if you know your subject – you're comfortable in it, and, and it comes across in your verbiage. It, it comes across in, in uh, how you're uh, basically a, a writer of a nonfiction book is, is an educator. And, and uh, to educate, you, you, you've got to know your topic and, and be comfortable with it. And what is your, what's your writing schedule? Has you, have you figured out kind of when you're most productive as a writer, and do you stick to a schedule? How does that work? You know, uh, for me, uh, I would tend to write in the evenings. I work in the daytime, and uh, I have a business, so my my schedule is somewhat flexible. But um, I, I my tendency was to write in the evening. In fact, I, I took advantage of the fact that I was. I remember a good chunk of this book, not not this most of it, but I I was uh, down with a cold, and I really didn't wasn't up to working. But I so loved the topic. When I'm when I'm sick, there if there's something I'm really interested in, I can do it. But if I'm not, it's really hard hard to do. So I, I yeah. took advantage of that, and, and and I took I had some time off work. I wasn't feeling like going to work, and I wasn't up for it. But I could certainly work on the book. So, um, uh, but generally I did it in the evenings and, and a few weekend days. Um, um, but um, that's my schedule. I I I don't. Some guys do really well with a specific time. I've got an extremely busy life. I'm on a board of directors of a large association. I'm a business owner. I run a nonprofit organization. So finding time for me is more of a, uh, when I can find it rather than when I can uh, keep a certain schedule. But uh, but anyway, like I said, mostly evenings work for me. So if um, if you were giving advice to somebody who was busy like you were, maybe they had a full-time day job or their own business. A lot of my clients are um, coaches, so their own coaching practice, let's say. Um, and they were finding that they really wanted to write a book, but they weren't getting around to sitting down and actually writing. They would think about it. They would tell people they were writing a book, but the writing wasn't happening. Is there mm. any advice you would give them? Yeah, I, I actually uh, started this book um, about six years ago, and um, I did the initial research, and then it sat, and, and, I, and I did some other things. Uh, it sat for a long time. My experience is when is either either it's a either it's a matter of simple discipline where you just simply have to set a date and you start it, or in my case, and I, I believe this is the case with a lot of people, is that you tend to put off a project if there's something in that project that's confusing you a little bit. Uh, in my case, uh, I was starting. Uh, I was um, starting off the project, and I wasn't sure 
how to, I wanted it to be an authoritative work, and so I wasn't sure, well, I thought of interviewing some well-known men, I thought we can get their views, and I could include those, but uh, I wasn't sure, and I, and I saw, it. that's what was throwing me, is how do, I, how do I add that authoritative air to the work? I ended up using quotes from military guides and other, or other codes uh, that give it a lot of substance, you know, and so that, that's how I solved that, and once I had that, I was off and running. Uh, but uh, so I would say if you're putting things off, then my guess is there's something about that that's, that you don't you're not certain about, you're confused with, and you've got some conflict on, uh, and you should get that resolved so that or, or it you know so that you can move forward. Like I said, once I once I resolved that, I was off like a shot. So uh, and the book kind of uh, I think that's I a great example and. Sometimes it is a big, hard thing to solve, and sometimes it's not that hard, and we hold ourselves back because we don't do the work to kind of identify it for fear it might be so big that it'll stop us, you know, stop us cold and we won't get our book done, but it's, sometimes it's the opposite. So I think that's a great point. Yeah, that's true of any any situation in life where uh, I, I remember years ago I, I um, uh, had a brake problem and I was um, with one with my car. Or with, I, I had a, a business and I was uh, going out doing service calls, and my uh, vehicle had a, had a trouble with the brakes. And I was I kept putting off getting it fixed because I thought, man, I just don't have the you know whatever it was back then, the two hundred bucks to get this fixed. And 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 one day I I stepped on the brakes and they went to the floor. And and the, I just barely managed to stop and like within an inch to go of, of, from bumping into this lady on a very busy Los Angeles street, and I said, "That's it. I don't care how much it costs. I got to get this fixed." And so I went to the mechanic, and it cost me seventeen dollars and fifty cents. And it was a lesson. That a little sooner. <laughs> exactly. It was a lesson learned that you keep putting off things. It's sort of like that email that you go, "God, I just can't stand. I don't want to open that email. I know what it's going to say." And you open it up, and it says, "Thank you," you know, or something yeah, silly like that. Yeah, I got that, that one yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I and know you, exactly you, what you're talking about. It's been sitting there for two weeks because you just hated to know what that was going to say. You know, you didn't want to read it. But that's the way it is with these things is that you, you don't face them, and as a result, you kind of put them off. And it could be something really minor, or it's something certainly that is, if it's big, you can break it down into pieces that are smaller, that are more easy to solve, uh, and, and do it that way. But, but yeah, a lot of the times it's really – there's. The things that we don't face in life are, are things that, that uh, are not as big as we fear. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit. Um, we've talked about the writing process. So now let's talk about your publishing process. Um, did you work with an agent? Did you send proposals? How did you, how did you work your, your publishing process? I uh, decided to do a self-publishing route. I, I, I have a good friend. Her name's Dr. Hyla Cass, and she's published. I think she's done eight books now, and she's very well known around the world uh, for all the her holistic. She writes on holistic psychiatry and, and uh, uh, alternative treatments in mental health. And uh, I, I called her up and I said, "What what approach should I do?" And she said, "You know, the the, the publishing industry has changed so much." that uh, for what you're going to lose if you go through a publisher, you're better off self-publishing. She said, you know, the, the, the publishers these days are not going to market your book very much. Uh, you're, most of the marketing, if it's going to get done at all, is going to be done by you. 
so that's not an asset. And then she said the other issue is that you're going to lose editorial control. So, And this was particularly a book that I, I really didn't want some editor coming to me and saying, hey, let's lose this uh, section here because I'm afraid that that's going to put people off. Well, you know, my, my concern is I'm not trying to worry about whether some guy is going to read that and go, well, Geez, I, I don't want to tell the truth. I, I would rather lie. So this is this is offensive to me. You know, <laughs> these are right. hard. These are these these are hardcore things. You know, and uh, you you want to tell the truth. That's the whole point of this thing is is to kind of you know be very blunt and say, look, guys, this is this. If you want to be a, a man, if you want to be honorable, this is what you're going to have to do. So I didn't want to lose editorial control. So uh, I took her advice and and self published through uh, Create Space. And uh, it's been great. I, I, I was really amazed at how it's, it's very simple. They, they put your book on, on, on uh, Amazon, uh, they, 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 and I've got it on uh, as available as a Kindle version as well. Uh, they do distribution to bookstores. They, if I want copies for myself, they, they ship them right away. I had a book signing, and they had the books there in plenty of time. Um, you know, you can get you can get yourself whatever quantity of books you want shipped to you, and and they're on demand. It's print on demand. It's it's a great system. And how did you make decisions about the design of your book, um, or you know, the look and feel, that sorts of stuff? Did you hire somebody? I, have, I hired an editor. Uh, again, this was uh, with my friend Hila Cass's advice. Uh, she said get she said get a good editor and and i i had a a guy i had worked with for it was it was really ironic i i, I run a nonprofit and we we have a newsletter that we've uh, sent out for years called the alternative mental health news and i'm the senior editor and i had a guy who did my writing for years wonderful writer a good editor uh, as well and uh and then i hadn't heard from him and so i went shopping for an editor and this guy's name was Alan, you know, uh, and I, so I went shopping for an editor, and they, the guy says, hey, I, and, uh, I don't have the time to do your project, but hey, can, let me recommend a wonderful guy. His name's Alan. <laughs> I thought, oh, oh my no God, way. I know Alan. <laughs> it was like out of nowhere. This guy, I mean, I mean, off the Internet. It wasn't like it wasn't like a guy from next door was telling me this. It was some guy on that the Internet telling crazy. me this. Wow. It was crazy. I said, yeah, he would be an excellent editor. So I, anyway, I got in touch with him. Actually, his wife, I, who I'd also worked with as a writer and an editor, uh, she took on the project and did a great job, uh, yeah, of 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 design and helped me with the design and the editing, uh, and um, we just went through the process. Uh, did the editing first of the of the text. Uh, the basic sequence is is you write the book and then you give it to the editor and the editor uh, uh, wants to, uh, a good editor will make sure that it you know presents your message without losing uh what you're trying to say uh and and hopefully will not as a, a, a writer friend of mine uh, told me I, I my i had the good fortune my first editor was had sold a million copy bestseller and uh he uh, he was uh, a wonderful editor and uh he said, uh, "Unfortunately, my job as editor is to require you occasionally to kill your favorite children, uh, and, <laughs> and it's true. Occasionally, he asked me to remove a wonderful passage that I loved, but uh, it didn't really fit the new book, you know. But anyway, with this editor, she did not require me to uh, ask of me to kill any of my favorite children. I was great, uh, glad to see. But uh, uh, we did that. We went through the process, and then after the uh, the text was edited." We uh, did the book design, and uh, 
the book cover was an interesting thing because communicating honor was uh, not as simple as, let's say, a book on shoes or something like that. You know, uh, so we we went through quite a number of, of graphics to see what would uh, how it would work, and I even surveyed people. I had some graphics. I would I went around my office and, and checked with other people. What do you think of this graphic? Until we found one that was uh, uh, seemed to be quite popular with everybody, and that's what we settled on. And um, how long would you estimate that it took you from the time you finished your manuscript until you were holding the first copy of your book in your hand? I would say, God, that's a good question. Let me see. I'm thinking um, six months. Yeah, about six months. Okay, I think it gives people a good idea that it's not, I mean, it's different than when you put your book in the hands of a publishing company and they can take a year or two years and it's really out of your control because you are moving forward every day. But it's also not an overnight process, even though you may see some things on the Internet that make it seem like, you know, you're going to blink your eyes and have your book. There are a lot of steps and it's not, uh, you know, it's not super fast. Uh, if you want to get it right. I mean, you can slap something up, um, but to make sure it really represents you the way you want to be represented, um, you know, there's a time there, time lag there. That, 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 there is a timeline there. And I, I, now that I have done the process, uh, like I said, this was really my first book for uh, uh, that I was doing solo. Uh, uh, the I, I'm, I could probably shorten that six month uh, timeline, but uh, but really uh, the editing process is going to take time. The design certainly takes time because you're you know basically there's a lot going back and forth between uh, unless you've got something that you you know you're, you're writing a book about uh, you know uh, General George Patton. You say hey let's put a picture of George Patton on the front. You know right. well, that's, <laughs> that, you know that, you're not going to have much trouble with that one. But uh, a lot of them. Uh, you know, you're you're going to color. There's uh, the the especially G with today's uh, software that you could put all kinds of stuff. The fonts and the color of the fonts, and so there's a lot a lot of back and forth that goes. And then you then the the uh, one step I omitted was that the editor said, okay, the manuscript's done. Now I'm going to set it up for publication, which was a completely another edit. Uh, basically, she had to set up all the uh, fonts so that they looked correct in a book format. And they weren't just a, a word document, uh, yeah. or, or stand, a standard word document. Uh, so that was a whole other step. And uh, so, yeah, I you're think right. That's it, a big surprise for a lot of people. And uh, you know, you go through two or three rounds of each version, and it definitely takes you know it takes a little while to get through it and get it right. It does. And another thing that uh, we uh, that affected my timeline in particular was that uh, I use a lot of codes in in the book, and I, and I refer to them, and we even uh, include them in the appendix in the back. Well, I had to then get permission uh, from, all, from from the Boy Scouts of America and from the Jesuits and, and all kinds of people whose codes I had used. And so that was a process also. Any any process that you're using where you're going to use extensive, extensive uh, borrow, extensive verbiage from anybody, uh, or from books or, or that sort of thing is going to require uh, some uh, vetting of that. So it's, it's sort of a legal process. You want to make sure it's, you get approvals for these things. Yeah, I think that's great advice. 
So while we're talking about advice, um, why don't you talk about what is the best thing that has come out of having your own book, a a concrete uh, before and after story of what's it like before you had your first book and after. It's a little different for me because I like I said I'm I've 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 been writing for many years. I've got uh I'm I'm the head of a company. I'm I I've, I've got a lot of different uh it wasn't like I suddenly uh it it suddenly raised my stature uh, socially or publicly because I've got a lot of other things going on that 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 do that already. Uh, but uh, what it did do, and it was really uh, very cool, was it, it it put me, as you mentioned earlier, as an expert in this subject. And although I felt beforehand that, uh, th- and this was not something that publicly, uh, I'm a, I, I'm I'm known as an expert in alternative treatments for mental health. I uh, own a service business uh, that deals with air conditioning stuff. I'm known as an expert in that area. I've written lots on 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 those subjects. Uh, and, and probably a few others, but this was not an area that I was considered uh, an expert. And uh, uh, it was not too long after I released the book, I was in uh, in touch with, um, for example, uh, a guy named Stephen uh, Johnson, Doctor Stephen Johnson. Doctor Stephen Johnson. I'm going to be. Uh, he's asked me to present. He's got his, uh, something called the the Path of the Sacred Warrior. And uh, this is a men's gathering where men basically get together on a weekend and and uh, 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 learn how to be better men, basically. And so I will be presenting my work there. Uh, this is in October, and uh, this is in the in the Los Angeles area. Uh, I've been in, and and that that's been the coolest thing of all. I, I I've heard back from the Boys Club of St. Louis, where I used to uh, be a member, and they're now using my book in their Character Counts uh, education program for boys, which was uh, almost brought me to tears because I. Uh, I was uh, I grew up in rough neighborhoods myself, which is in fact part of the book, and uh, these gives these kids a, a, you know a man's point of view on how to be a better man, and uh, I certainly could have used that when I was their age. Uh, so those those kinds of things. I've been in touch with other leaders, uh, uh, boys uh, um, boys groups, and in fact, I, I know that that's probably as I go forward with my marketing of the book. That's where I will be going more and more is into boys and, and men's groups uh, uh, that uh, deal with these issues. And, and that's that was the overnight thing, I think, that, that really changed for me was suddenly I'm involved with all these guys, you know. <laughs> wow. <laughs> young and, young awesome. and old. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is I awesome. Think, yeah. I think that's a great – I think that's a great – I ask that question every week, how is it different? And everybody's answer is different, and sometimes it is that, you know – uh, it gave them credibility. They were able to get speaking gigs. Uh, it became a part of their legacy. It kind of changed how they viewed their life. Um, yeah. But I think really being able to connect with a group that has special meaning for you to make a difference in people's lives and to really see that, um, I, I think that, for me, is the most powerful part of being an author. Absolutely. So, uh, I'm an emo- I'm an yeah. emotional guy. I like I love uh you know, love my I love children, I love uh friends and and uh having uh contact with people and working with people, helping people. I've been in the helping 
area for many years. But uh, for yeah, for me, that's been the coolest thing of all is that I get to not only uh, sell my book, but also I get to uh, work with people on on making themselves, making their lives better. And uh, especially, uh, it's great to do it with men. But but and and this is an area that. I just hear constantly, man, is there a need for this? Because uh, there are so many lost kids out there who just, and, and, and young men too, who just, you know, they, they just, they, they don't get educated on, on what's the right path to take. And they're confused. Do I lie? Do I, should I tell the truth? Uh, you know, I get this girl pregnant. Do I just run away from her, not answer her calls anymore? What do I do? You know, it's like there's all this confusion out there about these things. You know, I'm, I got a job. Is it okay if I steal from work? Everybody else seems to do it, you know. And and there's all these confusions. And, and it's like really nice to be able to uh, clear away some, uh, some of the fogginess and with some clarity. That's terrific. Well, um, in our final few minutes, I just want to talk a little bit about um, the Book Circle Live event, uh, which is coming up in Phoenix, Arizona, October 8th and 9th. Um, We're going to do two full days, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m., tons of content about how you can get the types of benefits that we've been talking about here today. If you're really ready to step into your role as author to transform yourself into someone who is going to Step on the edge a little. Put yourself out there and get your book done in a way that can change lives and can help people and can make an impact, maybe in just one life. Uh, I urge you to check this out. It's bookcirclelive.eventbrite.com. There's going to be 12 of us, lots of writing time, lots of step-by-step instructions on how to get your book published, how to self-publish. Dan talked a little bit about that, but we will get into everything you need to know to get this done quickly and efficiently. So I hope you can join me uh, if you are in the Phoenix area or interested in going to the Phoenix area. It's supposed to be lovely in October. And um, I am going on a balloon ride while I'm out there. So uh, hopefully it will be lovely. Uh, Dan Stratford, the Men's Code of Honor, available at Amazon.com? Absolutely. Great. So look for Dan's book. It's Dan Stratford, The Men's Code of Honor. Thanks for being with us. And, My pleasure. And uh, enjoy, uh, enjoy your book journey, everyone. Bye-bye.